You are listening to the Root Simple Podcast. On the podcast this week, Kelly and I talked to undertaker Elizabeth Fournay about green burials. Before we get to the conversation, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers, Robert G., Anne F., Dan F., Amy C., Anthony M., Becky L., Heather E., Lynn G., K., Scott G., Kellyan, Stephanie L., Erica H., Kelton M., Kyle P., Nicholas H., David and Sandy S., Eric of Garden Fork, and supporters Nicole, Michael W., Johnny S., Dutch Girl, Mary H., Stephen T., Brad and Stacy, and Johan. If you'd like to become a patron and make an ongoing pledge to support our podcast and blog, you can find a link in the show notes and on the right side of our blog at rootsimple.com. Reading from her bio, Elizabeth owns and operates Cornerstone Funeral Services in Boring, Oregon. Yes, there really is a Boring, Oregon, where she is affectionately known as the Green Reaper for her green burial advocacy. She serves on the advisory board of the Green Burial Council. She is also the author of the Green Burial Guidebook, Everything You Need to Plan an Affordable, Environmentally Friendly Burial. And now our conversation with Undertaker Elizabeth Fournay. So, Elizabeth, thanks for joining us. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Welcome, Elizabeth. Well, I thought, actually, we'd start with uh, the the biggest topic I guess we're going to talk about, which is what is a green burial? Because this is what you're known for. You've written a book about it, and uh, it's your business. So what what is a, a green burial? You know, that's a great thing to start with. It sort of lays down the field of what we're really looking at here. So imagine this. You're going to have your loved one. They're not going to be induced with any chemicals whatsoever, any formaldehyde. They're just going to be in the natural state of how they passed away. You're going to provide or go into the funeral home and purchase just a real simple container. We're looking at maybe a a shroud made out of material. Oh, maybe something made out of wicker, basic pine box, even maybe something cardboard, something just beautiful and simple. And then we're going to have a burial either on private property in your garden or in a green burial cemetery, which is a cemetery which is very natural. Lay that person to rest and their body will be going directly into the earth. We're not going to have any steel box around them, no concrete. And then over time, they're going to become one with the biosphere and the ecosystem. They're going to have natural plants above them. And ultimately, it's going to be very environmental, and it's going to be very economical. So I love that picture of what green burial looks like, because ultimately, we're saving money, we're saving the earth, and we're allowing people to have that green death, because they probably walked a green life. So what what does a modern burial look like? Because what you just described seems to be completely at odds with what you get if you just walk into a, any funeral home in the U.S. at least. Uh, what, what does a modern burial look like? A modern burial is relatively different than that. That would be going into a parlor, looking at their casket wall, and choosing something which probably has been lacquered or varnished or made out of some metals or some hardwoods. From there, we're going to have a body which will be preserved and look into lifelike form, probably have some embalming, some chemicals, some other procedures done. And from that point, we're going to be bringing this person out to a burial park, that has 
lots of pesticides and lots of other chemicals to make that grass sparkling green. They're going to be lowered into a grave, which will be encased with either a polypropylene or a steel or a concrete grave liner to make that grass and that earth and that soil be perfectly in place and pristine. And at that point, we have a loved one which is not going to be back with the earth. They're going to be as far removed from the earth and nature as possible. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned before we began talking, I think both Kelly and I have some lingering anger over the funeral business in this in this country. Uh, I remember when my dad passed away, his pastor pulled me aside and said, don't let them upsell you. Don't let them try to make it think that your love for your dad is a commensurate on like the value of the coffin that and you choose exactly and so and he was absolutely right when we went in there it was just upselling this don't you want this metal one don't, you know it was a little bit like visiting a car dealership it was which, worse than dealing well it's going well, to a car dealership i got to say I well mean, yeah, the circumstances are much worse yeah, exactly. but you take people at the at their most vulnerable time, when they're either numb and shell-shocked or filled with, you know, various emotions from guilt to love, and, and, and they are in the most vulnerable position they could possibly be in, um, in, in terms of spending. Because, you know, sometimes, you, you know, the, especially raised in a capitalist, consumerist society like us, the way you express love is often through money, you know, unfortunately. And, and I think they they prey on that and they're like well if you really love your loved one you're going to get the deluxe coffin you know or do you really you know there's like that kind of hesitance when you want the cheaper coffin they just you know the slight eyebrow raise like okay, you're really going to go there you know the lesser coffin really so it was it was terrible it was awful um thankfully we had his mom was alive at that time at least as spouse and and as as a frugal woman she was she was, you know, able to um, take some of the burden and say, no, no, we want this reasonable coffin. We don't want the expensive coffin. But even even putting together a reasonable funeral, a so-called reasonable funeral, it was incredibly expensive. And then when his mom passed this last year, it was year, the same thing. Over it was again. the same thing over again, except we were more practiced at it and we were better at it. But still, it's a gauntlet. And there was the the concrete box and all that too. So, how did we get there? Why? Yeah, why? What, yeah. What's this, that all about? When when you're in it, it's surreal. It's a very surreal situation. There's nothing more artificial than a funeral home. It's like artificial emotion, artificial flowers, coffins made out of artificial materials. It's just the whole thing is kind of nasty. <laughs> I was. Well, I'm hoping now that we're not going to be sued by the. Undertaker Association of America at this point, but I it, it 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 is so removed from the act of death, the act of loving. It's just it it leaves one speechless when you're when you're in it, and, and it's just like a horrible ride that you have to get through to get to the end, so it can all be over. And I'm wondering how we got to this very strange place because at one time all burials were green just by definition. Like, uh, green burial in some ways is just old-fashioned burial. So what happened to get us to this weird place? Yeah, I'm going to address that. But first off, I want to say I'm sorry for the loss of what you've had to go through as well as your situation in the funeral home. I hear that more and more, and I know that's very upsetting because you, you lost somebody in your life that you love and to feel like... Everybody isn't on your side or part of your team or helping you get what you want. I know that's really frustrating. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. 
But how we got to where we are now was a big shift in politics and climate and life situations. We started out 150 years ago, pretty much everybody had a natural burial. Like you say, old-fashioned, that's a good word that you just used. It was a matter of somebody would pass away and we would lovely keep them in the house. We would have the ladies tend to them, bathe them, dress them, sing some songs, maybe have the local religious clergy come by, say some blessings, and we would allow people to come into the house and say their goodbyes on their own time frame, take their time, and then we would bring the person out to the side yard or maybe out to the local churchyard, and it was all very simple. We would be using a, a coffin made by the local woodworker, so there wasn't a lot of expense, and there really wasn't a lot of concern, a lot of waste of resources, all of these things. It was just very simple. What happened with us is the key was embalming became a profitable service industry. How that happened was we had the Civil War and we had soldiers that were killed. There was multitudes of bodies and we couldn't dispose of them in a really timely fashion. And also families wanted to see their sons and their brothers and their fathers. So we needed to put these boys on the trains Doctors decided that we needed to do something to preserve them, so that's where embalming came about. It was so readily used for these boys that shortly when Abraham Lincoln died, a very revered, a very loved president, he was embalmed and he was brought to several different stops from Washington, D.C. to Springfield, Illinois. He just made stops along the way so people could see him because we were really a mourning nation. We wanted to pay our respects. After all this went by, they realized that we really, again, had a profitable service industry here. So boys went to school, boys became embalmers, boys opened up funeral homes. So rather than having the front parlor of the house as your personal funeral parlor, we had the town funeral parlor. So you sort of can see the workings here. We moved forward. We had things that we could charge money for. There was all of a sudden no longer a need for the simple pine box. Why not have different choices? And we can have different price markings here for different advantages of wealth in the community. We can also have these graveyards that decided, oh, we can have this pristine-looking memorial park, and we can have these lovely graves. So when people visit, they'll say, oh, my goodness, wouldn't this be a wonderful place for our afterlife? And we'll go ahead and take two. Thank you very much. So they had to keep the grass sparkling great and have a grave liner inside the grave. So we didn't have that wavy gravy look. We had it nice and gorgeous. So you can see where we're going with this. We just realized the bigger, the better. And hey, you know, it really would be a good thing if you bought that huge granite upright tombstone and you did have that bronze deluxe model because that, after all, does show how important your loved one was and how significant your love is for them. So rather than showing love by bathing them or holding their hand and saying some nice tender words, we transferred that thanks to the funeral industry, the modern way of death and dying into expenses. And I know that um, the funeral industry has lobbyists, so a lot of things are mandated by law. 
Uh, now you're in uh, Portland, is that right? Or you were in Boring, which is another story. But um, yeah, boring... I'm 20 miles from downtown Portland in a town called Boring, Oregon, <laughs> and it never gets old. I love the I know, jokes. Sorry. I love the head scratches. It's lots of fun. But um, I wonder for people listening to this who are not in Oregon. Um, is it difficult to find green burial? Is it legal in some places and not legal in others? What's the legality of it? I always love answering this question because the reality is green burial is legal in all 50 states. So that means it is legal. Now you can have a natural burial. We just need to figure out in whatever state you're planning on having your burial in where you can do that. Some state laws read that you can do this on private property. In Oregon, I just happen to be in one of these fortunately wonderful states where it's per county can decide what to do. And wouldn't you just know it, the county of my funeral parlor says if you're in the rural area, you can do this. So I do bury a lot of people in their gardens and their side yards and in their beds of bamboo or whatever they want. Other states decide that they're not going to have private land burial unless it's deemed a cemetery. But the saving grace is if you don't want to do this on your private land or you can't, for law reasons, do this on your private land, there's things called green burial cemeteries. And a green burial cemetery would be a natural preserve where you're allowed to place your loved one without the concrete liner. You place them in a natural container, which could be a myriad of caskets or eco-pods or burlap sacks. There is many, many, many choices here. And this is all very, very, very readily available. One other piece of that, too, is what I'm finding along the way is there are so many small cemeteries littered throughout the United States. I shouldn't littered because of course we're talking about burial (laughs) there's tons of these scattered amongst the the, uh, cities and counties all over who are thrilled to have a loved one placed there they don't get a lot of business and if you ask them if they would allow a burial without a grave liner most of them say why heck you're going to come and buy a grave space and have a burial this is fantastic news and they will eschew the idea of the box and therefore what do you know that's a natural burial. Well, what's the excuse for the grave liner? It's mowing, it, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's <laughs> mowing. It's that idea of if you have the casket encased in something which is very firm and is not going to biodegrade. So we're looking at polypropylene. We're looking at steel. We're also looking at concrete. Then what's going to happen is the soil will be placed back into the grave, and that grave is not going to sink whatsoever. The casket's not going to biodegrade. The grave is not going to settle. We're not going to have any movement there. It's going to hold the soil firmly in place. We put the green sod, of course, green side up, on top. We tamp that, put that back together. And then from there, not only is it completely even and lovely to the consumer to look at, but also the heavy equipment rolling over it, the mower or the backhoe, all of those things. The un- Unfortunately, sometimes a car, just whatever decides to go over that grave is not going to cause the grave to sink. Now, the grave is not going to collapse and we're not going to have a huge sinkhole if there isn't that box. 
But over time, soil just does shift a little bit and does make a little bit more of a depression. And for some reason, that's unsightly for some cemeteries. Right. I was just thinking about um, lovely old, old cemeteries that you might visit. They have that, uh, you know, the kind of hillocks. They sort of dips in hills. And it, it's very charming um, in an old cemetery, I think. But um, I guess in the contemporary funeral parks, they, they don't want that kind of heaving well, we like things tidy, Kelly. I think yeah, that's just, do. you know, I think like you say, you're going to go buy a car, you're going to go look at the car lot, and you're expecting to see brand new, pristine, shiny cars without any blemishes, and that's just what we expect as consumers. We believe yeah. that we deserve the best. Right. But what's happening, this is a little gory, but what's happening underground? I've always wondered, like, you know, what happens to an, embo- an embalmed body over time? What happens to those decorative coffins? You know, are, are graveyards actually toxic waste sites? They are. Now, I, I want to be gentle about this because we realize these are our loved ones. Yes. We've we, laid uh, to rest and we've yes. chosen a place to be. Now, for the most part, your loved one who has been embalmed and preserved, who is inside that fancy metal casket that is shut. Some are sealed. They're not hermetically sealed, like people tend to say, but there is a, you know, a gasket or not a gasket. And then it's going to be encircled into concrete. The biodegrading of the individual and the casket moves very slow. I mean, that's just, there's not a lot of oxygen going on. There's, you know, not a lot of fungi, bacteria, all those things. So you do get over time, some of that concrete will break down and that embalming fluid will ultimately make its way out of all the containers and get into the groundwater. Also, there is some off-gassing, which happens, as well as the varnishes and the metal, they have off-gassing too. So all of this doesn't do anything good for the soil. Um, I guess you could call it sort of an underground dump or waste. Um, But I would just say that your loved one is probably spending their eternity not necessarily giving back to the environment. And that's the goal with the natural burial. We really want to understand that if you have recycled your plastic bags and you think about how many trips you make in the car to waste the fossil fuels of your gas maybe even bring your cloth bags to the store or do your curbside recycling, then having an afterlife experience which matches that seems pretty accurate and seems like a good idea. So <laughs> I was you, thinking about having a cloth bag, like you bring your own cloth bag to your own funeral. <laughs> sure. Why not? I have individuals who want to be wrapped up in the sheet off their bed. Yeah. They want to be in a cardboard box. They want to do these things. And you had touched before on the reality of viewers at the service saying, oh boy, they might not have loved their person as much or that funeral director sort of letting you know that maybe, you know, by having the least expensive model, it might kind of look like you don't really like your dad. Right. I have families occasionally that want to use a cardboard box because they say, oh, Johnny would love that. And oh, that's so great. And hey, Johnny already had one sitting in the garage he wants to use. He'll get a kick out of that. And so occasionally if we're doing a burial, either at a cemetery, because all cemeteries will allow that, or we're doing that on private land, there'll always be somebody in the crowd who you can tell is uncomfortable with this or making little chuckling under their breath jokes. And that's my teaching moment 
where I can have that moment, address the crowd and say, now you might notice the the alternative container that Johnny is placed in that Johnny wants to be buried in. But I let them know that this was Johnny's choice and not just that. Johnny really, you know, A, B, C, cared about the environment, shows this himself. And so that really takes that pressure off the family to be labeled cheap. The fa- Everybody looks at them and realizes, wow, you're honoring your loved one by doing what they would like. You're smart because you're saving the green in your wallet. And you're doing something pretty good for the environment because that's going to break down and give back to the ecosphere versus just sit there and do nothing. I've seen the uh, wicker coffins recently. I hadn't known about them. Uh, until I saw a photo of one recently, and I actually almost cried a little bit when I saw it because it was so beautiful. Um, So I was just thinking that would be a good way um, to perhaps bridge the gap because they're so lovely that even though they're biodegradable and light, they are, you know, they don't have the stigma of, say, a cardboard box. Um, And, but they're, uh, for people who haven't seen them, they're like a woven wicker coffin, and then people can um, thread flowers through the gaps, you know, so the whole the whole coffin will just be alive with flowers as it goes down. Uh, I think that's a that's a lovely option. I agree. I agree with what you're saying, and if people don't know what these are. Um, go ahead and Google something like wicker casket or, you know, a bamboo casket, and you'll see these things. It's really basket weaving. And there's always been this joke about the underwater basket weaving as some sort of a real remedial college class. But basket weaving is actually a lost art. We don't do this in the United States very often. So a lot of things have to be imported from um, England. And we're realizing the value of a lot of our hand-woven arts and a lot of our skills. So there are some universities that now are offering these classes. And these are something that can be out there to do. Um, We can have a casket with, yeah, like you're saying, the willow or the bamboo or the birch or even banana leaves. There are so many mediums, felt, um, silk, all these things are 100% biodegradable. I even have families who decide that their loved one was a huge fan of Hawaii and they loved the whole idea of having a luau dress-up party. So they'll go to the local fabric store, they'll buy some material, and they'll decide to wrap their loved one in that and kind of hand-make their own shroud. So that's something important that I have in my book is I have the how to make a shroud step-by-step directions, as well as how to make your own wood casket step-by-step so people understand we can do this stuff easily, non-toxic, and really 100% biodegradable. Wow, that's great. Uh, Which leads to another question I have for you, which is people listening to this in other parts of the country, maybe other parts of the world, don't I need someone like you in order to do this stuff? I mean, how many Elizabeth Green Burial um, undertakers are there uh, in in this country and in other parts of the world? I'm so glad you addressed that conundrum because I love to give my answer, which is every funeral director has the ability to provide you with a natural burial. Every funeral home has the ability to show you natural burial caskets. Now, that funeral home and that funeral director has to decide if this is worthy of their funeral parlor and they actually have these things on their general price list and they've educated their staff about these things. But this is not a specialty situation. And I'm always thrilled to let people know that 
you don't have to find the you know handful of green funeral homes without the United States. You can walk into your local funeral parlor and say, I heard this interview with this woman. She lives in Oregon. And well, you know, of course, we're not in Oregon. So I'm coming to you as my local parlor. And I would like to know if you can get me one of these caskets that are made of willow. Um, and they might look at you like you're out of your mind. And that's probably a really good indication if they don't want to help you or they find that to be just obscenely crazy, you might want to march down to your next local funeral parlor. Um, we can do these things. A lot of families aren't, don't always realize there is 40 states within the United States that allow families to act as their own funeral home. They can provide paperwork, they can oversee the disposition, they can provide transportation, they can do a whole bunch of these things. So I break that down in my book, as well as you can find this information on websites too, that let people know if you really have an interest in taking care of some of these aspects or all of these aspects, we really are a do-it-yourself culture. As Americans, we have so many rights that we're not even aware of because, like you're saying, society dictates, oh, someone died, ooh, call the mortician, we need to remove them right away, they're no longer alive, and then I'll make an appointment and go to my local funeral parlor and I'll choose from the list of A, B, and C of what they're offering me, and then we'll just move from there. But ask questions. This is your loved one. You have the right to ask all the questions you need. And it sounds obviously like this is something that we all need to think, think of before the time comes because, um, you know, speaking from experience, when you're in the office of the funeral director, it's not the best time to be negotiating, negotiating these yeah. things. It's not easy to do that. No, it's not easy at all. You have the right to do it. You can ask questions. But if you've just lost somebody very dear to you and you are just enmeshed in your own grief and you're walking in a gray fog, the heaviness of that doesn't really allow you to self-advocate very much. So looking ahead of time, making some calls, checking out what happens in your state, a really good resource is the... Um, greenburialcouncil.org. That's a website which has most of the funeral home providers and the funeral home cemeteries that are throughout the United States and Canada that have been vetted and provide these services. There's also the National Home funeralalliance.org website that has a lot of information. Also, my website for my funeral home, cornerstonefuneral.com, even though I'm in Oregon, there's plenty of information and lists all of the cemeteries for you where you can do these things. So there's lots of resources out there. Just take a moment and look. You would price shop for a car. You would look at the comfort. You would check it out. You'd go back to several dealers if you had the time and luxury. We don't think we have the right to do that with funeral homes. Right. We do. Speaking of price shopping, what is the what is the price differential between an average modern burial and a green burial? Can you ballpark that? Sure. It's huge. It's really, really, really big. Um, if you're going to have your standard funeral and burial, there's commercials out there that show that you should get your funeral insurance now because you're going to be spending upwards of $12,000 to $15,000. And that's not so inaccurate because you're going into the funeral home, you're paying for all the goods and services, you're having a funeral, 
you're getting the fancy car and going out to the cemetery and you're buying land and a deed and all the opening and closing and the grave box and all those things, you're probably looking at least $10,000 to take care of all those things, depending on where you live and the value of land. Of course, we know some states are much more exorbitant. I've worked in three different states now in funeral homes and cemeteries, and you know th- there's a difference going on there. A green burial can be elaborate if you want. If you want to go to a very expensive place and buy the most expensive grave and have a very, very elaborate, handmade, you know, pure silk, amazing shroud. I mean, there's ways to be top dollar if you want. Or think about this concept. Imagine being in a rural area, your county and state saying, fine, private burial is okay. You're going to have your loved one pass away at home. You're going to decide that there's a beautiful sheet or comforter or quilt that's made of cotton or wool or silk or something biodegradable. You're going to wrap your loved one in that. You're going to gently bring them out to the yard. You're going to place them lovingly in the space that you either hand dug or use the family or neighborhood backhoe. And then after that, you're going to feast on delicious food out of your garden, I would say, besides maybe some gas that you had to put into that back home, you're looking at uh, $20. I mean, that's a really inexpensive (laughs) burial, don't you think? Yeah. Um, Change the topic just a little bit. Kelly, did you have a follow-up on that? Not a follow-up on that, so go ahead. Well, I just wondered your feelings about cremation. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. We often, um, uh, I've had conversations with friends just kind of idly wondering what is is more green, a green burial or cremation? Because a lot of people, I believe, are going for cremation for both price reasons and because they have a notion that it's more ecologically friendly. Yes. So where we came about all of those ideas is the baby boomers. These are the people that were born between 1946 and 1964. And the reason why we have baby boomers, people don't always know this, is World War II ended in 1945. And all of a sudden, families were reunited. A lot of activity was happening. And pretty soon, a lot of children just boomed and were born from 46 on. So what happened is these people were the ones who started the curbside recycling and bringing your bottles and cans back to the store for the monetary investment, things like that. And they decided, you know, having that grave space, spending money on that the, the square foot of land in a cemetery doesn't make any sense. Either I don't have a family plot or I don't have a religious fortitude that makes me need to do these things or I want to be better with the you know ec- ecology and I want to decide I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be cremated because that way people can just scatter my ashes or they can bury them or they can take them home in the living room. And this is so good because I'm taking up little space. Well, that was an idea for a long time. But then a lot of science writers and environmentalists and ecologists and all these people started getting really involved and realizing there are some issues with that. So typically, the energy it takes is is a lot. The fossil fuels just to maintain the temperature of the 1800 degrees Fahrenheit for the two hours just for the cremation, that's a lot of fuel. 
And then with the cremation, it admits mercury and other elements into the air, into the water. It also produces 250 pounds of carbon dioxide. There's global emissions, greenhouse gases. I mean, none of this sounds very sexy, right? There's all these issues that go on. And of course, we're finding out too, you can't very well take cremains and decide you're going to bury them in the garden with a seed and make a plant because, of course, the pH level of those cremains is too high. You're ultimately going to kill that. And that's not the best way to remember a grandma. So um, cremation isn't the best choice. We realize that natural burial is much greener. And we've actually gone one step further now. We, I'm saying, by the, I guess, the funeral industry. The funeral industry now recognizes there's 12 states in the U.S. that say a bio-cremation or a water-cremation is now a legal form of disposition. You mean water-cremation? Do you mean dumping ashes, right? Or or dumping dumping ashes, ashes, right? Yeah. No, I'm talking about the fact that there are legal forms of disposition, such as you can cremate somebody, you can bury somebody, you can have a burial at sea. So now then just the standard cremation where we use the flame and then we have the body turned to ash, we also have something new, which is called a water cremation, which is an alkaline hydrolysis process. Oh. I would love to share that with you because people yeah, are always aware of what the heck that is. Okay, so there's a new process that we have um, 12 states have put this on the books. They've had lobbyists come about. They voted, and they're now in statutes, and this is something that we can do. So it's ultimately we have a stainless steel cylinder. We have that wonderful former vehicle that the person used in their life, and we are having some nice water bath going. We just have some alkaline which is a real natural chemical, we are processing the exact same way the cremation would because the out, the out source of that is going to be cremains. You're going to get ashes inside an urn. But rather than the flame, we're just breaking down the tissue with a nice soft water bath. And it's not boiling somebody because the water level is the coils inside are not very hot. We're also not drowning somebody. I think people really worry about some of these graphic things that happen. It's just merely the water flowing back and forth and breaking down the tissue to a skeletal skeletal form. And then from there, we're going forward to make those skeletal forms into ashes. So the beauty of this is this is a lower temperature. It reduces the carbon emissions and the output for any emissions is about maybe 10%. So you think about that. The carbon footprint is amazingly low from the fuel and the electric and even the water that's left over. We call that affluent. That water is always contracted out either to seed farmers or to pig farmers or somebody who's going to go ahead and have the fertilizer done in a real natural way that you think about if pigs are eating from that that's being fertilized or seeds are growing from that. That's an amazing, amazing circle of life, don't you think? Yeah, so just to be clear, the the remains are sort of dissolved into a fertilizer, and then the bones, what happens to the bones? Are they cremated? They become the ash that the loved ones get? Well, what happens is when you have a standard cremation with a flame 
or you have a water cremation, you still are left with a skeletal full form. And what we do now is we don't give recognizable bone fragments back to people. Um, a couple reasons. One is that's upsetting to most people. Um, there's some cultures, Buddhists, who like different bones for different reasons, but ultimately we pulverize those down so they aren't recognizable. They look basically like sand or volcanic ash or something when we give those back to individuals. Because think about if everybody decided that they're going to go up to the national forest and they're going to bury these bones and they're going to have their little ceremony, what happens 10 years from now when there's some erosion and a hiker comes along and finds something which maybe, you know, is recognizable as a human bone and then we get law enforcement and then there's this whole ridiculous search for nothing because this was a person who we know died, there was a death certificate and a permit and they had a legal form of disposition and now it looks like a crime scene. Mm -hmm. We like to make life a little easier than that. Are there some other, I've heard of other methods uh, being well, used. Well, there's... <laughs> Well, yeah, go well, ahead, that's Kelly. That's a whole, uh, a whole other, uh, yeah, uh, we, we'd like to go there. Um, one of the fun parts of your book is that you do talk about a lot of the other alternative uh, schemes for, um, uh, what it would be, the, for body disposal. <laughs> I don't know what you said, it's not burial. Um, uh, you know, there's, we, right now, we, we're pretty limited in our thinking. We've got cremation, we have burial at sea, we have burial in the ground, but there are people who are talking about uh, composting and dehydration and pods and trees and all that stuff. Um, uh, could you tell us about some of those or one of some of your favorite things that seem to be coming down the pike or are already... Um, coming along because like this this aqua aqua cremation is is, is news to us as well that was not in your book was it oh that's there oh yeah it is i missed it oh see yeah. bad skimmer <laughs> <laughs> um but what are some of the other possibilities so my favorite form of disposition is the natural burial. That's probably obvious. I find that to be so healing for families. That's it's not just the environmental purposes and the, you know, economical purposes of saving all the money and the environment, but also families get more of a closure, I believe, because there's a do-it-yourself element. And it's just that matter of people really feel like they're honoring their loved one for how they lived on earth versus picking out a casket, which, well, yeah, I guess she liked pink, so that's a good one right there. You know, they're taking their time to decide what really works for them. The other methods that are out there, now they're not legal forms of disposition in the United States, and I always need to keep saying that because people will see something like Promesian, and this is something that is out of a country in Europe, and that's the idea of freeze-drying somebody. So I'll get people all the time who say, hey, I just want to be freeze-dried. How do I do that thing? Where do I go? And I'll have to say, well, there's a woman in Sweden who came up with this idea, and someone, after they pass away, they are uh, basically, you know, frozen. They will be on, um, I would say, a table which vibrates, those pieces from the liquid nitrogen freezing bath, they're broken down with the vibrations. And in those pieces from there, you can be placed into a garden. You can, you know, move forward from there. And you can, again, the circle of life can move forward. Now, humans aren't doing that. That's happened with some animals. But again, this is not in the United States. Something which floats around Twitter and floats around Facebook quite a bit are these big ecopods. It's called Capsula Monday. 
And it's this idea of a tree pod and your body is sort of bent up like a little baby fetus. You're placed inside this huge life-size pod. You're buried into what we would consider a burial forest versus a ver- burial ground. And rather than a you know memorial park, we'll have a memorial forest of all of these trees that came specifically from a body. Again, a really neat idea. That's by a couple who is in Italy. And that's, again, a work in progress. They don't do it yet. It's something that they're looking at. It's all over the place because it's such a neat idea and people really love it. Not here yet. Occasionally when I do a book reading, I will get a woman, it's always a female for some reason, who will come up to me and say, I want to bring back sky burial in the United States. Now, sky burial is something that would happen in Tibet. We would take or our... Or the Zoroastrians, right? There you go. Is that what we're talking That's about? Yeah. Okay, right. That's a fancy way to say we would take someone who passed away, we would lay them out on top of a mountain and really let nature do its job. And it'd primarily be turkey vultures that would come along and just, um, you know, minimize the body. I'd never want to be too graphic The shock factor of death is not interesting to me. I also feel like people who just had somebody die really don't need to hear all of the specifics of it. But anyway, some people will say to me, hey, I want to bring this back to the U.S. And we do have turkey vultures and we can do this. So I always have to let them know, great, the way we make forms of disposition legal is you get something onto a ballot, you have people vote, and then it's written into state legislation. So there are some steps, but I guess anything's possible because we now cremate people with water. You can have a burial at sea, even if you're not in the military or a Kennedy. I mean, things keep progressing. Do you have any specific thoughts about burial at sea? That's something um, I've thought about here because Uh, I've looked around and there aren't any natural burial grounds uh, in close shot of Los Angeles as far as I've been able to see so far. Correct us if we're wrong on that because that's another question I had. I mean, I did find a a place out in the desert who I think kind of fall into your category of like little little cemeteries who are just like, yeah, sure, come on, give us your money. (laughs) You know, so I could be put, um, you know, in a non-complicated way, I could be put in the ground in the in the desert um, outside of Los Angeles, that's one possibility. Um, I love the idea of being in a in a green forest um, the, uh, under a tree, as opposed to sort of <laughs> with tumbleweed rolling over me. <laughs> but um, uh, anyway, so I thought as an uh, as an, uh, an alternative, um, because we're all, you know we're by the ocean, that burial at sea at least I would be eaten, which I, I like the idea of going back of of, of being um, consumed by nature and, and returning. So, but what are the pros and cons of that? Well, you would need to find somebody who can help you do that. You can't just get your buddy's boat inside <laughs> to you know Have go a out a couple of beers and go out. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, we don't do it Dexter style. We need to actually have some paperwork signed. So there is a there is a outfit here that 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 does this off of uh, long out of Long Beach just uh, for people who are listening. So that that does exist actually, but I didn't know. Um, you know, is it is it actually is it um, you know a good thing for? Am, am I polluting the ocean more, and the oceans are in trouble now? Do I need to add to their problems or? Or am I not, you know, a bad thing to add to the water? I'm not sure. Okay, well, I can answer that probably in two pretty clear pieces. 
And if you're going to be in your natural state, which would mean most likely with no clothes or wearing something 100% biodegradable, you're going to be in a 100% biodegradable container. If that's going to be a full natural pine casket with no toxic glue, no metals, you're going to be in a burlap bag, which doesn't have the toxic glue, all of that. And you're going to be quickly um, off three miles off the shore of the coast and you're going to go down and land on the sea right away, your fish friends will thank you. There's a lot of goodness there. You're giving back 100% entirely to the earth. Some people say, well, what happens if grandma ate at McDonald's every single day? Isn't she pretty well preserved? And well, I guess but the reality <laughs> is we still can do that. Now, what I tell people is you can have a burial at sea if you live in all 50 states. But something you need to consider Let's say you live in Kansas and you want to have a burial at sea. Well, you can get yourself out to Long Beach and do this. If you have to get on an airplane, then you're going to be embalmed. So that sort of negates the idea mm. fully. You can be driven. Of course, you can contract with your local funeral home. But you have to take account on how much fossil fuel resources are going to go into trekking you from Wichita out to Long Beach. Is mm -hmm. it worth it? So we have to think of the bigger picture sometimes that matters. Someone says, hey, throw me in a volcano. But great, but you live in Idaho. We got to get you on the plane to Hawaii and we're looking at the fuel of the plane and we're looking at the embalming and mm -hmm. come on, that's not very green. Yeah, so close to home is green. Close to home, maybe not, yeah, importing things from other countries, uh, making something yourself. If you buy something off the internet, if it's made locally is always a fantastic idea. There's just some of those specifics to look at. But like I always want to say to people, and I think it's really important to stress, death is hard. It's really hard to lose somebody you love. And I think we make the best choices if we know we have all of the choices possible. Ultimately, we make the best choices. And if you need to follow your family tradition and you need to... Um, have your four days of visitation at the funeral home with somebody embalmed and all your family have that blue triton casket and you're going to do that and you're going to go to the natural burial, actually the, not the natural burial park, the standard burial park, then that's fine. You need to do what you need to do. What I try to advocate people to do is think about maybe a shade of green. Can you try to get people to carpool? Can you try to not have everybody with a brand new Starbucks cup in their hand. Um, you know, to have a full green burial is hard. Someone's going to have leather on their shoes. But if you can maybe use recycled paper for your memorial folders, or maybe you can do something along the way to help the earth, that's fantastic. Hmm. Well, and, and then oh, I, I learned also you don't need to embalm that's people. That's exactly too, what I was just right? about to say because we do not embalm Eric's um, right. mother. Or, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, right. and a lot, I think a lot of people think that it is, if you're having a, um, a proper funeral, that the embalming just comes along with that, you know, or, or that it's actually. Or you have to do that it. That you somehow. have to do it by law, and that is not true, correct? In all 50 states? You'd be amazed at how many families call me when they're just going to have a direct cremation, which means I. Um, bring mom from the nursing home into my care. I secure the paperwork and I just have a direct cremation at the crematory. How many people say, but do we have to have her embalmed first? 
And again, they've learned this through TV or through false information or fake news or something that everybody needs to be embalmed because I think there's this paranoia that a deceased body is riddled with germs and disease and they're bad and you can't touch them and we need to whisk them away and get rid of all the bad stuff and put in the formaldehyde and the preservatives. Otherwise, you know, a pandemic is going to happen. So that's an easy way. So there, there are those ways we, you can just rejigger a, a, a basic modern funeral just to make it, like you say, a little bit greener. You know, maybe skip the embalming, try to use a, a wood coffin if you can, ask about the liner, you know, is it really necessary? Um, see if you can negotiate out of that and then, and then make your, uh, your memorial service as green as possible, as you suggested. Yeah, and you can have a very traditional type of funeral um, and have it be green. And an example I love to give is my beloved father has passed away recently, and he wanted everything pretty much like my mom. Well, my mother passed away in the 70s and had everything as what we would consider sort of the modern funeral and burial. So what we did was we honored his requests, but we made everything green. We had a wood casket, which looked very much like my mother's, but it wasn't varnished and it was natural. And rather than metal, there were wood dowels. We brought him to the cathedral downtown and had the Monsignor say the prayers. So here we are inside a huge Catholic church and the casket looked very fitting. Everybody assumed it was just your standard casket. He was not embalmed. He was in a wool suit that he actually wore to my college graduation about 30 years ago, and um, which is 100% degradable and then he and from so if you think about those aspects even though we did something which looked very modern um there is no reason why you still can't be into a church and you still can't have transportation and you still can't be in a casket and all these things and green burial doesn't need to be something so alternative or so out there that only a certain echelon of people are doing this very quote-unquote standard people decide all the time that this is a better way and something that they want to do. I have one last crazy question, which is a a friend of mine's uh, Jewish aunt was sort of a funeral activist, and she had this idea of, well, the Orthodox Jews have a sort of mandated simple ceremony. Can we just extend their practices to other people? I guess it didn't go anywhere, but I don't know if you've ever heard of anyone doing that. or uh, Because I also know Muslims also have a very... um, a, a simple. basic, simple burial. The crazy Jewish ant story. I think everybody has one. That's fun. Um, yes. Yeah, so the people of the Jewish faith and the Muslim culture, they have had natural burials forever and they still do. It's a matter of not preserving the body and in a relatively short time frame, burying them directly into the earth. It's all very simple. It's all very faith-based, and it's all very environmental. Well, anything else, Elizabeth, yeah, that we didn't... We, um, yeah, not covered something that you really hour wanted is to about talk up. about? Yeah. yeah, I really want to stress that if you have somebody in your life passing away, you really need to take care of yourself. You need to drink your water, you need to get your sleep, and you need to eat food. And I know that's so hard to do when you're staying vigil by a bed of somebody who is dying of hospice. I know, I I did it recently, and you don't want to leave, and you don't want to take a shower, but really taking care of yourself is a very important aspect. I think it's important to know that you have the right to read books and look at websites and ask your funeral home questions, and I behoove everyone listening to pick up the telephone call your local funeral parlor and merely ask them if they would help you 
ask, answer some questions about a green burial or a green funeral and see if you're met with somebody who doesn't like your question or someone who says, sure, what you got? And that will really kind of help you know in the future if somebody does pass away suddenly, who will be on your side and who will really help you get what you want. And um, Elizabeth, lastly, uh, why don't you repeat the name of your book and your website and if people are interested in finding out more about what you do, how to get in touch with you. Absolutely. So my book is The Green Burial Guidebook. I have found it to be the only book out there which really walks people through all of the aspects and steps and how to do it yourself from digging your own space to making your own casket. It can be purchased most places. And actually, I like people to go online because that way you're saving the carbon footprint of getting in the car and driving, right? Um, my website for more information is thegreenreaper.org. And then if you just want to take a look at finding natural burial cemeteries near you, and Kelly, take a look, because there are some in the L.A. area. Oh, okay, I'll look again. Yeah, my website is cornerstonefuneral.com, and I have a whole bunch of green burial resources on there. Even if you don't live near boring Oregon, I'm here to help. <laughs> and one other piece, too, I always offer for people to call me at the funeral home or email me if you have any questions whatsoever about anything. I helped a woman in Alaska the other day negotiate and dig a space in her yard for her husband. I'm happy to do it, mm. though I'm nowhere near. I'm a wealth of information for you. Oh, well, you have done us all a great favor by writing your book. I, it is, I encourage everybody to get it, and we all need it. <laughs> You're not getting out of it. <laughs> so all of us, um, you know, have to plan for our own demise or will be eventually sadly dealing with the demise of our uh, loved ones. And as much as we like to sort of live in comfortable denial of that, sooner or later it comes up. And um, better to be prepared, better to already have some ideas in mind or even a plan in place. Um, I certainly know that I'm, I'm going to have a plan uh, in place um, long before it's necessary. So thank you, Elizabeth. Yeah, no one gets out of here alive. So exactly. Kelly <laughs> right. and Eric, thank you so much for your interest and in you. taking a chance of having me on your show. That was Elizabeth Fournay. You can find her at thegreenreaper.org and at cornerstonefuneral.com. Her book is The Green Burial Guidebook. In a sad coincidence, just after we recorded this podcast, we heard of the passing of two previous guests, Chef Ernie Miller and veterinarian Dr. Tracy McFarlane. They both were generous and kind people with incredible knowledge and skill. They will be greatly missed. To leave a question for the Root Simple podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are Root Simple on Twitter. You can have our podcasts automatically downloaded for free by subscribing in the iTunes store or on Stitcher. Thank you again to our many supporters. Thank you for listening.